And good afternoon. It is just a few seconds after 4 o'clock. Thanks for tuning in to CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located here in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, and uh, this is Finding a Voice, spoken word programming here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. And uh, we do stream live online as well, www.cfrc.ca. Uh, coming up on the show today, we're moving back into another two, counting this week, two and a half weeks. Uh, and we'll work our way through that uh, three-day annual poetry festival called Poets at Art Fest 5 this year. And uh, from this will be from the Monday, July 1st uh, final day of it. You'll hear readings by Eric Folsom, John Donlan, Leslie Saunders, and Kingston Poet Laureate Jason Hiru. And in the second hour from uh, the same event and day, you'll hear readings by Louise Carson, Colin Morton, and Tia Lunn. Uh, this first, though, the usual hourly announcement, occasionally some poetry, spoken word, and music played on this show may contain strong language, but it's all played in its entirety with content unedited to honor the creative integrity of both the author and the piece. Uh, so to begin, again, as I sort of mentioned, uh, following several weeks now of airing from this event, uh, we'll continue with remaining readings uh, of the three-day poetry festival, again, Poets at Art Fest 5. Uh, these readings did take place uh, from June 29th through July 1st, 56, I believe, uh, 55 poets in all and the festival tied to the much larger Art Fest Kingston 2019. So up in it as we air readings uh, continuing with that final day up first in it this afternoon, here is Eric Folsom. Up next, Eric Folsom is a longtime resident of Kingston. He's the author of four books of poetry, most recently La Latour, a poetry narrative. Uh, sequence of poems about uh, colonial Nova Scotia. He is a retired library assistant from the Kingston Frontenac Public Library, a former bingo caller, former printer, former supply teacher, and former electric piano and organ delivery person. <laughs> he is nonetheless still bisexual. Here is Eric Folsom. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I'm, I'm going to read a couple of things that are still in manuscript. Um, I'll read a couple of things from the anthology that uh, Bruce edited, uh, Inspired Heart for Teens. And if we haven't run out of time, I'll read a couple of things from Lelutra. Um, all books that you should have, really, honest. They're, they're very good. There. And, end of advertisement. Um, and, and thank you, uh, uh, Ken and, uh, and, and Ron, and, and for, the, uh, for your work. Um, my favorite line uh, so far is, is Anne's. Um, I'm on your side. Please hand me a weapon. <laughs> I thought it like, oh, how Canadian is that? So um, identity. The warmer weather now furbishes tulips. We find ourselves seated at a patio cafe, outdoors with elbows kept under restraint at the unstable table chosen to be ours. 
In earlier days when we were all smokers, we'd have stuffed a book of matches beneath the ungainly leg that lets its friends down. But who carries a book of matches now? A couple of quarters, or a drink coaster maybe, an advertising flyer swiped from the counter, a page from the newspaper folded in squares, but who keeps a newspaper around nowadays? Maybe the metal table has adjustable feet. Here, let me tip this over. Here, grab your drink or help me scan the ground for the right kind of rock, a sliver of limestone to make everything steady, to stop the fluid motion our bodies engender, the wobbles and jiggles that undo balance, the liquids and the categories that flirt with the edges of cups that will end up cradled in our hands. And this is a little poem about being young and idiotic. I write a lot of those. <laughs> the night was like a lovely tomb. In the dark backyard of somebody's house, she stood apart while midnight came near. The party behind her boisterous and gross, her friends counted down the nascent year. Persuaded we were quite different from others, too much enamored of our isolations. As the synchronized voices bellowed the numbers, we slipped outside to watch constellations. The Milky Way shimmered like a breeze in a canyon. The stars grew romantic in the indigo snow. The quiet around us, a perfect companion, framed by the Sagittarius window. The night glow sheen on our risk-taking faces. Beware, my foolish heart, I should have said. She left not long after for faraway places, and I remained a loner inside of my head. Relivio. The little hellions we were, always running, stopping and starting, red light, green light, playing freeze tag in backyards and driveways, up and down our marginally idyllic summer town, a dull railroad suburb, climbing the leafy hills draped on either side of black clinker tracks, spanned by the small gray footbridge under which tough kids smoked cigarettes and spat at broken glass. We were sneakered Avengers, swinging from ropes tied to unsafe trees in failed orchards. Rampaging tangles of knotweed and nightshade, we slashed the afternoons with green-whittled sticks, swore true allegiance to games of Simon Says, Mother May I, giant steps and hide-and-seek after dark, urgent fireflies looping and blinking in the air, till somebody's distant mother called somebody's name. Anything was better than going home to our parents, whose cool, bland judgments we half internalized. Homes of leather belts and tongue-lashing yardsticks, tobacco and alcohol, fish sticks and lightning rods. We preferred the dark drums of our blue jeans, the grass-stained knees, our unstructured feelings, to the slow walk home, swimming under streetlights, our grimy, sweaty skin cooling in the night air. Red Rover, Red Rover, sent Sandy right over. 
Send Corky, send Stuart, send Robin, send Jill to break through our lines or be caught in our arms, or we caught in theirs if their hearts were stronger, the spellbinding nets of each other's adolescence, ungendered, presexual, primed for endless feuding, for shoving and jeering, for teasing without cease, then racing for safety, alley alley and free. Simon says, don't ride your motorbike into a tree. Simon says, don't get caught in the undertow. One, two, three, statue. Hold your breath and your friends. But holding is cheating, Ahosey. No fair. Time grabs our shirt fronts and punches our eyes. We grapple and clasp, taste salt and iron. The wind roils the treetops like surf in a storm. Somebody chases somebody, and we all disappear. And as, as we wave goodbye to Pride Month, <laughs> this is called Perfectly Straight. Two teenaged boys sitting opposite on a bed, holding guitars and practicing something. Your fingers reached for new chords you'd found. I chimed in, the, in on the chorus. Touch me, heal me. Hands somewhat larger than mine, exploring places in the music where I tried to follow. Awkward in movement, your shoulders bunched forward, the sort of person who moved as if they didn't know quite how big they were. Yet I saw you throw a baseball. Make it curve like magic, put my vigilance at ease, and pull music out of six strings with humbucking pickups, teen clumsiness masking civility and poise. A local kid once mistook your generosity for open-minded charity in the varieties of love. His impolitic suggestions were met with heated anger. By Monday afternoon, the whole school knew and the balance of the year was mob humiliation. I hope he was happier after he left town. But cautious, weird me kept my eyes on your fingers, those long, blunt hands. I remember your voice, ungainly yet kind, held no trace of self-conscious ego. I learned to harmonize, learned what not to say. The both of us perfectly straight, I thought then. P.S. I was wrong about me. Was I right about you? <laughs> okay. We're, we're not doing bad, so I'll do a little from here. Um, and, and I think I'll start with um, as, as close to a Canada Day poem as I can get um, on this occasion, um, because it has fireworks. But it's a different, different occasion. Um, so uh, we are. The, this this is a little prose poem. It's set in um, 1749. Um, the occasion is the um, um, uh, the end of one war and the uh, preparations for, that we'll begin the next. Um, <laughs> And uh, I, I couldn't help noticing, especially listening to Ken's pieces, thinking like, 
1749, the founding of Halifax uh, by the British, um, you know, taking over Mi'kmaq land uh, without really asking permission, um, and how at this point in the development of the European empire's settlement itself had been turned into a weapon. How did Kingston get the name that it has? Treaty of Aix-la-Chapelle. Six months of diplomacy yielded a deal between Britain and France in October 1748. The stronghold of Louisbourg went back to the French, and in exchange, Madras in India was returned to the British. The arrangement enraged New Englanders, their colonial triumph reversed and canceled. But for Londoners, it was a grand occasion for a party. To celebrate the glorious peace, April 27, 1749 was set aside as a holiday. King George ordered fireworks and majestic music, a public fantasia to be held out of doors in the English springtime. On a raised stage designed to look like a castle, hammered together especially for the festival, George Friedrich Handel led an orchestra of 100, quote, warlike instruments of music. The king insisted there be no fiddles. <laughs> Rehearsals at Spring Gardens in Vauxhall had already fomented astonishing public enthusiasm and a great horse-drawn traffic jam made London Bridge impassable how things never change. On the day itself, Master Handel mounted the stage to lead music for the royal fireworks, conducting as usual with rolled up sheets of music, not the newfangled continental baton. The grand performance unfurled in stately progression, the synchronized cannonades lighting up the sky, stirring the crowd at every level, from dukes to cultured coal merchants to pickpockets. As fireworks magnificently poured forth from the wooden pavilion, the skies darkened and rain began to fall. While some of the rockets soared, others fizzled and veered, scattering hot debris across the stage and setting it afire. <laughs> the Italian architect, Servadoni, had to be restrained from replying with the point of his sword to insults from the Duke of Montague. <laughs> Meanwhile, on London's docks, the redoubtable Edward Cornwallis was gathering thousands of settlers, myriad supplies, ships, and ordnance to cross the ocean. His intention to raise a new city called Halifax in faraway Nova Scotia on Chibokdal's lonely, lonely, bone-strewn shores. What? Crow's argument, and my apologies for appropriating all over the place here, but hey, I just appropriated from the British, right? So. Fair's <laughs> fair. Crow's argument. Um, uh, Crow's, Le Loutre is um, the Abbe Jean Louis Le Loutre, um, a spiritual missionary from France to the Mi'kmaq indigenous people who had converted to Catholicism, and the Acadians, also Catholic, obviously. My invented fictional character, Crow, is the point of view who looks at everything that's happening in Acadie slash Nova Scotia slash Mi'kmaqi. Crow's argument. If you wish, call it sinful to covet a life 
with senses full to think of heaven mainly as the stars, forget-me-nots of angels, to love Corelli and a well-tuned fiddle, to appreciate a warm bed. Is not happiness a type of grace? Soggy old earth is never perfect, tis true. In our life we worry about what the various bishops, sacamos, governors, and creditors think. We fret about worldly influence and favor who might help us, who dissembles, who creates starvation with a casual twist of policy. If nothing else, being dead relieves one of the usual formalities. History likewise is a feeble prospect, a blind coachman urging on blinkered horses. What portion of our present wisdom endures? What whiff of flame-tinged oratorical passion? Our temporal temporizing shall ever give way to a variant tale no future wishes to hear. I'm compelled, in lieu of and notwithstanding self-absolution, to examine Arle Lutra, his slippery contradictions, ecstatic practicalities. I wish to tell you what happened. I want to demystify the Moses of Acadia, that terrible flat caricature on silhouette paper. A builder of churches, a burner of churches, and rescue his character from melodrama. I want to sketch him as I believe he was. A futile ambition, rescuing the dead. For so long as souls remain fluid memories, dreamt by darting schools of the living, we will be misremembered, we'll be misdreamt. Angels for no reason, demons by necessity, our tales forever in need of retelling. Speaking of which, you must know the old Mi'kmaq story, which goes roughly like this. Three men from a distant country visit Kluska and say, make us stronger, make us tall, bigger than all others, and let us live longer than other men do. Kluska said, do you ask these gifts? To be better hunters for your families? To see the enemies of your village from coming from a greater distance? Is longer life for gaining wisdom to guide your people and make them happy? We want what we want, said the three. Grant your gifts if you can. Why should we explain? Kluskap gave them their wishes, and they ran home to their country, exulting as their legs grew longer and longer, as their heads were lifted skyward and their arms were outstretched in prayer as their heavy feet became rooted in the ground. They were trees, pine, cedar, and spruce, taller, stronger, and older than men. Vanity wraps us in fog, even so. Judgment ships wars as pride muffles fear. Our instincts concerning error are dampened, letting us drift, drowning on choppy waters, hence clasped around the cold truth as we understand it. Will it not be faith that drags us down? Awesome. Let's give him another hand. And for all four of them this morning, Ron, Ann, Ken, and Eric, another round.
And uh... you just heard a reading by Eric Folsom, the final poet, in the first session of the last day of three-day Poets at Art Fest Five Poetry Festival. Up next in it, uh, and moving into the second session that day, here is John Donlan. Up next, John Donlan's collection of poetry are Domestic Economy, Baysville, Green Man, Spirit Engine, Call Me the Breeze, and Out All Day. He is an editor with Brick Books and was the 2012 thir and 13 Barbara Moon Editorial Fellow at Massey College, University of Toronto, the 2014 Writer-in-Residence at Saskatoon Public Library, and the 2016 and 17 Haig Brown Writer-in-Residence in Campbell River. Let's bring up John Donlan. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, everybody, for coming out. Got a good crowd. That's a very hard act to follow, so I'm not going to sing or dance. <laughs> uh, first poem, uh, this book is divided into geographic sections. The work is mainly lyric nature poetry. So this one's called South Frontenac. South Frontenac's muggy nights in June are thick with sex and death. On Highway 38, teenagers race the black future beyond their car's twin antennae of light, where frog-dotted asphalt slices the marsh and the dark pulses with ephemerae whose day this is to fly and mate and die. Exoskeletons tick against the glass that curves to shield these children, covertly glancing by dashlight at faces, bodies, who never again will feel so much as now. And we, cooler at heart, half remembering, dream them safe to bed. Sunday morning in the wrecker's yard, a chipping sparrow picks bugs off the grill of a Dodge Ram 1500 truck. Strong as life. Two ants tow half a caterpillar, pulling against each other, dropping the load, stick legs, bodies, unstopping, epic. Though your bones break every time you're moved in your hospital bed, your body lives. Grandmother and her hydrocephalic son died after 30 hours of labor. The contractions stopped when blood loss and exhaustion killed her with the child. Near the stream, a young red-shouldered hawk screams and screams. Another flies toward it, carrying a frog. If imagination was as strong as life, I'd be that frog. I'd look down and say, I'm flying. I've turned into a bird. Ontario poem, uh, grew up in Muskoka. For the Vaysville Public School Reunion. My old two-room schoolhouse is gone. Grades one to four downstairs, a lady teacher. Upstairs, the last four grades, a man. And the brash new brick one closed in 66. 
how high the hip roof loomed. Yet we would throw hex nuts with string streamers back and forth over it, and those red, white, and blue foam rubber balls. Here, gone, vanish and return. Most of my class of eight survived, was shy, lovely, Nellie Lunan's dead. Suffering and brave under her mother's hand-me-down Mother Hubbards, who captured my hand for our class photo. Proud, diffident, beaten, defiant, secret, our frozen faces can never age or die. They snatch us back out of time each time they catch our eye. Saskatoon poem. Poundmaker. <clears throat> Poundmaker was a, a Cree uh, chief uh, who was uh, half-blooded uh, with uh, uh, the Sioux as well, or sorry, the Blackfoot. So uh, he was a peacemaker when uh, white people uh, invaded their territory. He said, no, we have to get together, stop fighting each other and get ready to you know, defend ourselves. As I walked home one winter night, a white hair stood in Temperance Street. Its black-tipped ears and backward-looking eye attended my approach. You're not from here, it said. Spirit of the place, when we are gone, our homes and cars and streets return to prairie, you will remain, sniffing for swelling buds above the snow. To make peace with grief that rends me I remember that winter night, the great white hair. A Vancouver poem, dark, raining, you know, get the picture. City birds, they spit sunflower seeds and scratch the black, wet all winter earth, darkly watched by glaring cats. If they're stabbed with fears and sorrows of a short, fragile life, they never let on, but gamely flip and peck, flirt and court, their pea-sized hearts thrumming with lust and hunger. Now, now, street lights on at three. We're in the egg, the very yolk of winter solstice. Eating darkness while light pecks our shell, still not ground down or blunted horribly, despite the shocking mirror. No, Christ's death, we're seven again, expecting a mystery rabbit, Easter chocolate, sweet white and yellow centers. And finally, uh, Campbell River poem. At Kingfisher Creek, the place I was staying at, Roderick Haight Brown, the writer's uh, uh, little uh, stump farm, I guess you'd call it, on the Campbell River and had a treat, creek going through it as well, Kingfisher Creek. And we got there in the fall and it was just jammed with dead salmon. The end of the run, chunk. Silt slimed, ash gray salmon corpses, strewn like cordwood, clogged Kingfisher Creek. After high water, some drooped from branches like Dali watches. Carried far by bears and eagles, some say, minerals in their bones feed the forest. 
but this scene is best explained by the constant voiceover of water on stone, which tells us nothing. It somehow changes our minds for the better. The last voice exhausted salmon here sings through the long, slow winter sleep of eggs clinging to sand against the pole of summer, of downhill, of ocean future. Thank you. John Donlan, let's give him another hand. And you just heard a reading by John Donlan in the second session of the last day of the three-day Poets at Artfest 5 Poetry Festival, held on July 1st. Uh, this day was, and up next in it, here is Leslie Saunders. Up next, Leslie Saunders lives and writes in Kingston, Ontario. She enjoys collaborating and being part of mixed media presentations. Her work has been part of All Poets on Deck, Words at an Exhibition, Cross Pollination, and Tea and Poetry. She's, she conceived and facilitated the workshop Rhythm Without Rhyme, performing the pulse of poetry. Today she will be reading on the theme of poems sparked by other art and from some of her current projects. Let's bring up Leslie Saunders. It's great to be here. Um, yeah, so everything I'm reading today will have a it's sparked from a piece of art. I recently saw a film and um, the highlight of the film, one of the important moments in the film for me was when one of the people being interviewed um, recalled what his mentor um, listened for when he first encountered a piece of poetry. And uh, it was simple and open and beautiful. And um, I carried that message home. And then, of course, I asked, well, what do I listen for? when I first encounter a piece of poetry. And I'm telling you, you do not want to be auditioning for a panel that I'm a judge on. <laughs> so uh, that movie was Who is Bruce Kaufman? And Bruce, this poem is for you. <laughs> what he hears when he listens for Bruce. I want to be as generous as you to ask almost nothing of the poem except to hear the source first chord it started from. I want to not demand the prance of words tap dance across the page or flip and twist as polyrhythmic acrobats, not need it poof blue smoke or abracadabra in an image so apt I rush into the street, grab some passing stranger, insist they witness it. I want to not ask to be led somewhere feral and unfed, but to simply stand, hushed, by any writer, anywhere, who feels a throb as difficult, as skittish as a bird, and spreads their palm with seeds to feed it.
I, I'm quite happy if you if you feel inclined to applaud. I'm quite happy for you to wait till the end of my set. Um, <laughs> would you prefer it? I, I would actually, because uh, so this this next poem is from a project I'm currently working on, and when I first read it out loud, I realized it sounded like it was about something I had not intended whatsoever. But once you offer something out, people are free to interpret it as they will. So I'll leave that up to you. Um, this is from A Year of Writing Love Letters. Dear Flash, shiver, thrill, frisson. Dear streak that rips the pitch, dear chance glance that catches it, Dear dance, surprised muscles knocking at throb of song. Dear bones grabbing the beat and bouncing. Bang into joy, 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 zoom. Dear pale prickle on the nape of neck. Dear high-wired ride in the buzzing chest. Dear whiskery, whispery purr on the blue inside of thighs. I have known you. I have known you as a small crack in the fracture of an atomic second, as a swelling tsunami, as a vast expanse and expense in the cosmic sense. Dear soaring flare, dear dark scape awake in shooting showers, I have known you. So. That poem, of course, was about responding to a song I heard on the radio. <laughs> quite, quite obviously, I think. So um, a friend of mine sent me a photograph of her dog and said, write a poem about this. <laughs> so you can imagine, right? I can't write a poem about your beautiful old dog. It would just all come out sentimental schlock. <laughs> what the dog knows. This, wind and cold and snow are not to be missed. You might say it's a dirty day. You might try and call him in, rattle the Tim of Kibble. No, the dog discerns. The air is feast enough. These scents have traveled distance and never has my nose been more full mink and memory, moose and musk, the tantalizing whiff of somewhere's despair. He attends to the small hairs in his ears, a wash and scuttle and clutter, all undersized beasts and burrowings, sub-tunneled snow, all frozen sap and snap and crack of trees, the rumbled snore of bear and frog and promises and bees, how to hold off dread as if it were the panting, paralytic heat of high summer, how to wait until you've need before you receive the laid fire, the brewed and bubbled stew on a radiant stove, who and why and when to befriend. I know what you're thinking. She almost made it, held off on the sentimentality, just <laughs> paid at the last. Um, 
But it was worth it, right? Yeah. So this next piece um, isn't about a single piece of art, but images you've probably all seen of a body of water, a river, lake, pond, with some structure or some creature, human, waterfowl, on it, and the right climatic conditions that the water acts as a looking glass. Reflections. That same day, I was thinking about the early-to-rise angler perfectly repeated as an image of himself in the glassy still of the lake, so that he stood twice, both upside and right side down, and fished at the same time the lake, and the mere duplication of the sky inside the lake. I was also thinking about sizzling butter and plagal cadences. It can be difficult to work with a mind like this. The watery angler wore a coat as red as the upright one, though his rod rippled and disappeared into a cloud, which of course was not real, while the real rod dropped straight plunk, I imagined, the line weighted with sinkers and bobbins and bait into the lake. Were the fish fooled, I wondered, by the clouds? I also wondered if I should instead be practicing those eight bars of solo sax. Do they think they are swimming in the sky? That with their fins they could fly? Or at least should I unpack the groceries? I hoped I hadn't bought ice cream. And did we have butter? I had a vague and unexplained craving for pan-seared trout. I told you it was difficult. The two anglers stood feet to feet, as if one had been made of wet ink on a folded page and now found himself doubled and perhaps somewhat troubled to be both on and under a dock that seemed to float on a gray and clouded sky. A heaven full of fish, he might have thought, which brought me back to plagal cadences, amen, so I stopped. I don't think it's important to the poem, but if you're wondering, a plagal cadence is a, used in church music, hence the plagal, and a cadence is a series of chords, and a plagal cadence is the chords that signify the song, typically a hymn is about to come to an end. Um, I'm gonna close with um, a poem that I, I'm working on a collaboration with a photographer friend, and um, so I'll finish with that poem. Uh, I like to give gifts. Quite, quite typically, I give away things that aren't mine to give, but <laughs> that doesn't matter, and this is for whoever needs it. Small droplets. The mist is a master of muffles and baffles. Useful. I will put it in my gift cupboard. It will nest nicely as it waits between yellow and ice. I won't forget. When the brush is flushed with fire, when the burnt out night has failed you, I'll pull it out, offer it, inadequate as any gift. I might shrug and say nothing. And you might grab it, grip it, eager and quick to wick the blaze day of its indigo ache. 
or press it to your ears, intent to unhear the flared and fanfared sun who is all blare and flourish and jagged with joke and extroverts. The lake will still and hold itself and mirror a languid lover. The fish will move in cooling waters. Listen, I, I have nothing. The noise you hear won't go away, but I will tell you this. If I could, I would give you the mist. Thank you. Leslie Saunders is giving another hand. And you just heard a reading by Leslie Saunders in the second session of the last day of the three day poets at Art Fest 5 Poetry, Poetry Festival. Up, uh, you know what? I think I probably was going to say up next in it, but maybe we should do this first, and I'll be right back. Friday evenings at 6 p.m. here on CFRC, listen to Saltwater Music, a show covering all musical genres from the East Coast of Canada. Celtic, of course, but also rock, jazz, blues, folk, and a lot more. I'm your host, Rob Carnell. Tune in to Saltwater Music Friday evening from 6 to 8 here on CFRC 101.9 FM. Or you can catch us on the web at www.cfrc.ca. And for our listeners out east, that's 7 p.m. Atlantic and 7.30 Newfoundland. I'm David Suzuki. The average lunch or dinner travels 2,400 kilometers to get to your table. Eating local means combating global warming. The future is on your table. Eat your way to a healthier planet. Find out how at davidsuzuki.org. Folk everything. Every Saturday morning from 10 till noon on CFRC. Traditional folk, modern folk, future folk, and strange deviations from the norm. Hear the legacy of folk music and discover new favorites and forgotten classics on Folk Everything. Join me every Saturday morning at 10 for a romp through folk culture here on CFRC. Says Red to James, that's a fine motorbike. Since 1922, CFRC Radio has been the canvassing and community radio station for Queens and Kingston, Ontario. CFRC is both listener-supported and listener-created radio, bringing both music and spoken word content to our community on 101.9 FM and around the world on cfrc.ca. Support locally created media. Learn more at cfrc.ca. And you are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall. Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, and here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock, and we do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. And we're going to go ahead and go back into that second session uh, of uh, the last day of the uh, three-day poetry festival that ran from June 29th to July 1st. And uh, again, it tied to the larger Art Fest Kingston 2019 Full Artist Festival. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, he was the final poet, I believe, in the session that day. So here is Kingston Poet Laureate Jason Heru. Thank you. 
Next, Jason Heru is the author of four poetry collections, Memoirs of an Alias, Emergency Hallelujah, Natural Capital, and Hard Work Cheering Up Sad Machines. His most recent books are the novel Amusement Park of Constant Sorrow, uh, the, bank, uh, the Book of Blessings, a poetry chapbook published by Puddles of Sky Press. He's currently the Poet Laureate for the city of Kingston, Ontario. Let's bring up Jason Haru. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you, everyone, for coming out on this beautiful day. Um, I'm going to read some poems from my book, Hard Work Chewing Up Sad Machines. But I'm going to do something a little bit different that I've never done before. I'm going to take poems and fragments and lines, and I'm going to just read them all together, <laughs> like a medley, like one long poem. And we'll see if it works or if it doesn't work. I'm going to call that medley Canada Day. <laughs> People, who are we all? Are temperature receptors located within our skin? Do they send signals to our brains? Are we here to take advice and give it back to our American history teacher? In the presence of many witnesses, I say I give this life four stars. I say sometimes I have to leave my desk to gather water. The more we all do together, the more we learn about ourselves. Most proteins do this in the dark, which is why it's important we are present when it's our turn to dream. Citizens are quick to say hello and ask what's broken. Of course, many of us say soda water instead of pop or soda pop. It took centuries for us to realize what a problem this was. Abraham Lincoln once said, as a single mom, a dizzy vacation never entered my thoughts. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but one day a door will open and on the other side we'll find ourselves in a place. I mean, did this warm summer afternoon always know what it wanted to be growing up? It's a beautiful day outside ourselves. God asked us to leave our knapsacks at the counter when we were born, but he still keeps watching us like we're trying to steal something. And he told us we were going to be new seeds on the ground. So why do we feel like paper towels used to pick a dead thing off the sidewalk? How well do knives and forks trust each other? Everything waves at us in the end, but who knows if it's hello or goodbye? If you have a few extra ants, please bring them to the picnic. <laughs> so what more do I want? How many more feathers would make me happy on a bird? How much extra egg yolk do I need in an eggshell? Our death chirps like a cricket in the quietest corner of the dollar. Bees are kept where two bones meet. A body develops in the body where fruit trees are grown. The cows are kept in the same name as the place where the hay is kept. Our death jumps into us the way the moon leaps into a lake to cool off, swimming in water that isn't there. What more of a handshake can you hold in your hand? How much of this fork do you need to eat dinner? The blown out candle is kept where the wish is kept. How much more walnut meat in a walnut shell would it take to make us feel safe in the world? I believe in the barbecue cover that covers the barbecue. I believe in the same name as the place where the bird is kept, the cage is kept. How much more piggy bank can the piggy bank hold? Wherever you are, you are a little rain that never rained. You are a little hurt that never hurt anything. Sometimes in the bank, I touch someone else's money and wake up. Sometimes our math homework does us quietly in its head. It's not fair we need to live and the moon doesn't. It's not natural we wake up and stones don't. We work so hard to walk to the well. 
You have no idea how hard we walk. It's not right. The grass gets to grow and we don't. It's not fair. The day ends when it wants, but we have to keep going and going to the lamp for the light and all the way to the well for the water. Many have a river. Others have nothing to flow into. All that shines is a periscope in the water. What is a citizen? Everything begins with rust, and sometimes the mist is more real than the place. I looked at the pier dripping on the washing line. The invisible world torpedoes the chestnut trees. And every raindrop trembling on the tree branch is such a beautiful gray garbage bag of broken rain. And after I finished my chores, I was given a leaf to spend in the woods, a breath to spend in the air, a hook to spend in the fish, a tank to spend in the war, a bird to spend in the cage, a shiver to spend in the wind. In August, I still hear your sunlight singing in the quiet little church of my shadow. And when was the last time you put something in your pocket to keep it from crying, but it kept crying? When was the last time October lasted for more than a year? When was the last time you fell on a raindrop and an egg cracked your shell? And when was the last time your dust swept you away? And some days the cobwebs looked sad and fragile as hundred-year-old chicken bones waiting for the chicken to return. And if you're living or dying, either way you're a loose thread unraveling from yourself. And there's always more of you, and there's never enough of you, and there's always a little breath of you left behind in some balloon. Let us praise the empty parking lot, beautiful and mysterious, especially late at night, an oasis of nothingness. In the old age home, an elderly spider asked me to cut his dead flies into bite-sized pieces. I was in a foreign country and couldn't speak the language. I watched an old homeless man put his pocket in his pocket to keep it warm. It was the oldest general store in North America. An empty wind-blown plastic bag bumped into me and told me to watch where I was going. We're moving through a new dark age. The piano takes people lessons to learn how to play us properly. <laughs> and on the opening day of cloud hunting season, three plump clouds wander over the horizon. Thank you, guys. There's Kingston Port Laureate, Jason Haru. Let's give him another hand. And that was Kingston Poet Laureate Jason Haru. Uh, I was going to go ahead and uh, do some announcements, and I believe I have brought the wrong sheet with me. So I will try to do the ones that I know are happening. Not a lot of detail on them, but uh, between now and next Friday, I guess, I can tell you that tomorrow afternoon... Uh, that, uh, yeah, tomorrow afternoon from, I believe it's 2 o'clock to, I believe the doors open at 2. I think the music starts at 2.15. Uh, this is uh, going to be at uh, 99, uh, the community house at 99 York Street. Uh, it's uh, called the Hot Chocolate Charity Series. And... Uh, 
I would advise you to look for that, please, on Facebook, uh, because I know they have a group page now uh, for that show. Used to, I believe it just used, they used to have separate event pages, but now I believe they have a group page, and they're just updating it uh, that way. So originally started by Safety Calf, which was uh, Steph Kilhack and, uh, and Haley Sarfeld. And uh, with uh, Steph now out of the country, Haley is taking it over by herself, and I believe Anthea Fever is uh, helping her run this as well. And I believe they just uh, put up who their uh, who their new the who the charity is, and I believe it might be True North, but I don't know that for sure. So please uh, check out that Facebook event page. Or group page and uh, I do know they've also listed a number of the you know, musicians who will be appearing and that again that is tomorrow it's always the last Saturday of the month and always at the community house so let's do that and uh, then uh, coming up uh, Tuesday evening both here and in Tweed uh, both uh, Cities have uh, first Tuesday night of the month poetry event, and uh, the one here in Kingston is at the Elm Cafe, which is right on the corner, and then the series is called And the Journey Continues, and uh, yeah, doors open at 6.30, and or I should say reopen at 6.30, because the cafe closes at 5 o'clock, and uh, then... Uh, the readings start shortly after 7, once the line clears at the till, and it runs till 9.30. Again, it's uh, the Elm Cafe is where it's held, and uh, that is right on the corner of Charles and Montreal Street. So 303 Montreal, I believe, is the address, and there is a, an event page for that. If you just look for And the Journey Continues Open Mic Reading, or the next, and the journey continues, open mic reading in the search bar in Facebook. You should be able to find the event notice. And uh, the one in Tweed is called First Tuesday Muse. And uh, theirs, too, is a group page like uh, the Hot Chocolate Charity concert series now. Uh, so uh, it's a group page, and so it's just updated all the time. And so you can find it on Facebook, too. But it happens, uh, I believe their event starts from and runs from 7 to 9 o'clock, if memory serves me right. And uh, it's at the Tweedsmere Tavern in Tweed. I can tell you there are a whole bunch of things coming up uh, later in the month. And I'm going to spend a bit more time uh, with them as uh, everything starts to move closer once we get to uh, mid-September uh, and then all the way through October. From then on, all the way through October, there are it's going to be Kingston's a city where there are two or three things going on every week. So we, uh, I mean, literary things. So I will spend some time next week doing that and... Uh, you know what? Until then, I just want to thank you for tuning in. I'm going to throw a little music on. I thought I didn't think I was going to use music today. Again, I apologize for not having. I have a, 
an older list here that isn't accurate or complete. So other than do that, I would just like to thank you for tuning into the first hour. Hope you can stay tuned to the second hour today. You're going to hear uh, three more readings from that final day of the three-day poetry, fe- poetry festival that, again, ran from June 29th through July 1st and, again, tied to the larger Art Fest Kingston 2019 Full Artist Festival. Also, I want to take uh, uh, just a second to let you know uh, that uh, you can upload this show. It will be uh, uploaded to my blog space uh, shortly after I get home. It will remain there four years at Finding a Voice on CFRC or cfrcfm.wordpress.com. Geez, you think I'd know it by now, but there you go. Anyway, uh, let's uh, do this, uh, resort to a little music to take us there.
And uh, that was Mazzy Star that you just heard to carry us through into the second hour. It is about 5.01, and you are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My brand name is Bruce, here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6. We do stream live online as well, www.cfrc.ca. Uh, in the second hour, as mentioned in the first, uh, we're going to continue with what I believe will, between today and uh, the next two weeks, I believe I've got enough after today for another full show and then a half a show or something like that. Uh, from the three-day poetry festival, Poets at Art Fest 5. Again, these readings, in case you just tuned in, took place from June 29th through July 1st. And the festival itself was tied to the much larger Art Fest Kingston 2019. And in this hour, you're going to hear readings by Louise Carson, Colin Martin, and also Tia Lund. This first, though, just the usual hourly announcement that occasionally some poetry, spoken word, or music played on this show may contain strong language, but it's all played in its entirety with content unedited to honor the creative integrity of both the author and the piece. So up first, uh, and uh, as we begin uh, with, let's see where I'm at here, was the final poet, nope. Might have been. Think, yeah, I think so. Uh, anyway, these are all in the final day. Let's do that. The final afternoon, the Monday afternoon of July 1st. Uh, up first from that afternoon, here is Louise Carson. Louise Carson is, uh, has recently had poems in Grain, Event, and Queen's Court Quarterly. Her collection of Clearing was published by Signature Editions in 2015. She also writes novels, Rope, a tale told in prose and verse, uh, is a prequel to her trilogy, The Chronicles of Diesel Witty, uh, historical fantasy set in 1719 Scotland. Book one in which, uh, in which was published in 2018 with book two measured to appear in the fall coming up. Louise, coming up, 2019, cool. Her novella Mermaid uh, Road appeared in the 2013 from the same press that published Rope, in which uh, measured Broken Rules Press. Uh, Signature Editions publishes her mysteries, Executor, uh, the Cat Among Us, The Cat Van uh, Vanishes, and The Cat Between, also appearing in the fall of 2000. You're gonna, you've, got, you've been busy. Louise lives in St. Lazare. Is that close? Perfect. Quebec with her daughter, two cats and a dog. Let's bring up Louise Carson. Thank you. So tell me if I'm not speaking loud enough. Am I speaking loud enough? I could bring it up a bit? All right. Northern Rescue Dog, Christmas. Mouse rattles utensils at the back of one drawer. The dead cat caught a big one last February, laid it on the hall rug. I didn't step on it going for a pee, one mercy. 
Neither have any of the mice spending winters in my house, eating any electrical necessities. Each autumn retread ancestral paths across cupcake pans and cookie trays. Slide and ride slippery metal stacks to make the occasional midnight crash that wakes me, not the dog. She's taken over the living room for her lair, rug, carpet, couch, littered it with faux bones, night twitches, hair, and cries for last winter when she was a pup, perhaps allowed inside during the worst weather to amuse northern children. Last spring outside, teenage pregnant, dropped her first and only litter, plane ride south, needles and operation. Under the four-foot living tree, its strength equal to a paper angel, a few pine cones, a string of lights. The young dog, stuck with me, old and inert, whines for a child. Women wear their houses. Slick ovarian cancer, ticking her clock, talking its way out of every treatment. Mum died for 26 years. Her last year, from September to March, I painted my house from the outside in. Began with the entrance that leads to the kitchen, the bathroom and living room done by Christmas, then the three bedrooms, the last one, mine. I neglected my running, my music, my books, watched TV with my daughter, but standing, eyes rounding the corners to sneak just one more coat before bedtime. My mother crept through, marveling. The colors, so warm, pumpkin, honeydew, butter. The trim, so white, so fresh. Six months later, her death, I painted the insides of closets, cupboards, drawers, teapots, cups, spoons. Spoons. Things getting smaller and smaller and smaller. The dog's name is Mata. The dog's name is Mata. She slama the llama, Mata Lama Slama. In the bush behind the petting zoo, the retired farmer is setting up. A goat appears, then the llama rushes to protect the goat. And Mata doesn't bite. She looks at me as if to say, you go for the throat after I knock it over. And she slama that llama. Madalama Slama. So the next one we'll see if it works as a as a written poem. It's a it's a three-column poem. So the far right and far left columns are taken from Patrick Lane's uh, poem called Wolf Hair, which is from his book Living in a Phantom Hut. And um, I wrote the middle column as a little commentary to the two outside. So first word, Patrick, second bit, me, last word, Patrick, of each line. So we'll see how it works as a spoken poem. It works probably better on the page, but. Wolf hair, hat lane, dawn. Koi is singing, north. Nothing, about it all, flower. Nothing again move. Tuft, wire, fence. In this sonnet, water, volcanoes, 
if you like, content, mountains, young, need, but I suspect, still, wept, in other ways, undone, misfortunes, as well, peace, face, hands, nowhere, gone, being, hold, fishing. I'll read the little poem that is Louise Carson, which is my homage to Pat. <clears throat> Pat Lane is singing about it all again, in this sonnet, if you like, but I suspect in other ways as well. Gone fishing. He passed away recently. <clears throat> Demeter. Wait for time. Wake, stiff, painful. And this is a good day. The sun outside, the warm cat on the lap. Easter Sunday, capitalized. Death in April, candied, preserving. What? Mistakes made many years ago? You're the same. Every year until just year, the every gone into the ground, you poke with a stick to check the depth of thaw. Is it deep enough for peas? Goddess knows they need two inches. You look for flowers. One pale yellow crocus, not much glory there. But inside where you forgot to look, orchids tumble over the piano's dark wood. The neighbors get into their cars, going out to eat the eggs, the ham, the maple syrup. Bless them, all the same, the same. Halfway to the window, the African violets, fuzzy saucers, sun-tilted, rooted in earth in colorful pots. Their shy dance pleases you. You pretend to believe in rebirth, retold, another year, and in the mysteries of these. Earlier, the dog and I edged around the freshly crushed remains of a morning dove. Oh no, I thought. I heard they make for life. Someone is lonely. Three on those wires where four had been crows appeared on the road. Next day, a mob of mourning doves assembles on the lawn on the wires near where the one was killed. A funeral, I guess. And the day after that, there are four doves again. A funeral, followed by a wedding. <laughs> Unpacking. <clears throat> Talk to me about death, I'm always thinking about it, but no, you prefer to keep things going. That poem where I had death smile as he drove by in his suit and tie and I smelled his roses. I thought that was a clear image, but no one got it. At mom's funeral, everyone sent roses except me. The idea of flowers hadn't entered my mind. A minister who'd never met her said, it's clear Betty loved roses. And everyone laughed. And I thought, what good are roses after death? You have missed the point. Incinerate all the roses. They are mouths, I remember. Then we took them to our various homes. Even I took some. Well, they were beautiful. 
all this because my brother's plane is late. He's coming from Vancouver to take me to a hockey game for my birthday. The last time he took the red eye was the night of dad's death, measured in hours, and I was scrubbing blood from the floor, had dragged the stained chair to the curb. The king was dead. Long live the rest of us. Timid applause. <laughs> so, should I get off? <laughs> Yesterday, one of those super cold days we had after Christmas, I was walking down the road. The dog was limping on cold feet. Then I swear I saw Vlad Putin drive by in an SUV. Not unlike the one my sister drives, dark blue, metallic. He was wearing a dark top coat and dark tie, and he was smiling, talking to that other Russian, the one with the port wine birthmark on his head. And I felt like an old Baba struggling in the wind with my dog. And I heard Vlad say, blood is only blood when it's your own. Del Monte Quality R. Today, before breakfast, I read a week old sports section from the paper, my grocery list, some very impressive if oblique poetry in an American literary magazine, the poems I wrote yesterday, and the sticker on my banana. Costa Rica, number 4011, Del Monte Quality R. The R is tiny and appears in a circle means registered, I guess. So by calling this poem Del Monte Quality R, I am breaking a rule. Unless I claim that I honestly think the poem is a banana and eat it. <laughs> I didn't know what this was about until I wrote it. Hashtag her too? Night. Swamp. Frogs cluck and peep. Last walk for the pets before sleep. Night sky, star, dark water. I put myself in her place. Night sky, lights, gagging. His fingers in her mouth. Night, stagger from the bed, disbelieving, shiver until dawn. Night, night shut down for months and break like an egg. The last straw. And now the plastic straw has been singled out for eradication, in the UK at least, and Vancouver, along with cotton swabs and plastic stir sticks. I feel sorry for the whales, swimming, open mouths, straining for food through the plastic gyre, hoping to taste plankton and getting earwax. While I sit in a cafe talking about my cancer, the starving whale beaches dies. Curious scientists slit it. Some good people clean more plastic off a beach. The last straw sets off on its voyage, bobs gaily from Europe to Asia, as we suck and snot and flush, our gestures as profound and futile as climbing ropes of sand.
little too late, people. Uh, this is my last poem for today. After reading Poet Interview. I read your meditations. My work ethic stuck in my throat. Given pause by your spectacular studio. Oh, 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 why would you work hard at waiting? I believe, no, not a safe assertion. I think, non-faith based. I build and sand, staple and sort. Waiting is what a dog does between walks. Crush inspiration by hard work? Like garlic pressed, you can't say there's no good product left after that. Raw, but then calmer. Remember, poet, you're nothing to the world. Thank you. Was Louise Carson? Let's give her another hand. And you just heard a reading by Louise Carson in the third session of the final day of the three-day Poets at Art Fest 5 Poetry Festival that again ran from June 29th through July 1st. Up next in it, here is Colin Martin. Up next, Colin Martin. Morton, Ottawa poet, has uh, published more than 10 books, uh, ranging from visual and sound poetry, uh, printed matter, to historical narratives. Uh, the Mers book, The Hundred Cuts, his other work, includes a novel, many reviews and essays, and the award-winning animated poetry film Primity, is that right? Sorry, Primitai. To uh, Ta, is that right? Okay, thanks. Uh, most recent are his Aeolus House uh, chapbook, The Undead, and work appearing in anthologies such as Palm in Your Pocket, Tamaracks, Heartwood in fine form and where the nights are twice as long. Let's bring up Colin Morton. Thank you. I'm going to start with a movie review. You may have seen the movie. It's called The Gold Rush. It's with Charlie Chaplin. If you haven't seen it, it's on YouTube. The Gold Rush. In the dark, the audience laughs as prospector Charlie staggers around the cabin in one shoe, the other he has already eaten, plucking icicles from the rafters to boil for morning coffee. We laugh as the floor rocks beneath him and hung over, he clutches his head. We laugh because we know the cabin hangs on the edge of a cliff where the blizzard has blown it nearly topples when Big Jim wakes and the cabin slides farther over. We laugh at the two of them scrambling over each other for safety. But the joke is on us here in the dark, for soon we will have to leave the theater and step out into the storm. This one I wrote for my wife, Mary Lee Bragg. You'll hear from her later. Um, I changed the title to For Mr. Bones because of a poem she wrote after having uh, heart surgery last year. So For Mr. Bones. If 
In some distant age, a learned archaeologist unearthed your nor bones and studies your split sternum well-knit after surgery. The report will conclude you must have been a queen, or else your culture so cherished life, no effort was spared to save each one. Blessed as never before, they will write, we never said die and never despaired. The bones will not show your fears or regrets, let alone your age's apocalyptic prophecies, its spectacles of death. And this was just called ID. It starts with a, an epigram um, from a Dr. Krober. Now, he was the father of Ursula K. Le Guin, and he was an anthropologist, and he uh, took on and learned the language and wrote about Ishi, the last uh, member of his tribe. And then we were showing photographs to Ishi. Ishi asked a question, and the epigram is Dr. Krober's answer. The photograph does not show what the person is thinking. And it is just talking about photographs of myself. ID. In this one, I'm wishing the person with the camera would relent. In this one, I'm hoping she will take another. This was taken the day I wrote that poem for you. This one, the day after I puked all night. After this was taken, I dreamed of the seaside and next day heard about tsunami on the far side of the world. This one shows what I want the world to see. It is my favorite, the base picture for a dozen competing facial recognition programs under consideration for government contracts. Each one claims to know, within allowances, what I think on a range of sensitive topics. This one, I've never shown anyone before. Now a couple of uh, poems about Ottawa, where I live. That's a quiet, placid, peaceful city. But as you walk along the river, you know that things are going on under the surface. Ottawa, spring. Not all birds sing. Some pass silently through forest corridors, seeking prey. But there's enough chatter today to keep spy chasers alert at their terminals, tracking in real time the schemes of bad guys whose names the public will never know. Deceptively still, the river funnels secrets toward the embassies to fill the dossiers of recent graduates who butter their bread on both sides while waiting for the vital call. And this one is kind of a catalog of murders that have happened over the years I've lived in this peaceful city, Ottawa. I call it riposte because at the end, there's an attempt to reply. Right here in the middle of the street, the passenger door slamming shut on his gun hand, as the car sped away. Right here on the white solid line, blood pooling around the base of the skull. 
here years ago, beneath the new interchange, waiting at the parkway's one red light, with a pistol brought in by diplomatic bag, rushed out of the country hours later, right here, face down in the November slush. Here on the strip while leaving a bistro, in a scuffle at this tavern door, in a downtown crosswalk with a crossbow, with a nine-inch blade across the bar. The city remembers its private scars. For others, there's a plaque, one on the mall where an MP took a bullet in the head, another at the jail where someone swung for it, a stone laid for workers killed on the job, statues for those in uniform, monuments uncounted all to the dead, heroes' highways, walks of fame, listed houses reassure that some are kept in mind, even poets have their garden and their path, echoes nearly lost in corridors of the dead. Right here, right now, we persist, we speak, while we can we have our day. And in a lab beside the Russian river, someone's plotting to kill you, death. And we've seen the impossible happen before. And if it's not curing death, at least it's postponing death when you learn CPR. It's what's called CPR practice. If you crack ribs, you're doing it right. You don't need to kiss vomit anymore, but be sure the airways are clear. If this were real, you would flood with hormones, turn over control to whatever got you through when your car blew a tire and spun out on the ice. Whatever lets a teenage pixie land a quad, a surgeon plug a heart with a finger, a demented pianist play the Moonlight Sonata. If you crack ribs, you're doing it right, but you still need a miracle to save a life. Not long ago, people were talking about basketball all the time. That got into my poem called Traveling. In some games, it's illegal. Some lands too. Authorities bounce you from pen to cell to crowded arena. There's no shot clock. The lean-to you throw up today may become your grandchildren's home. But you never give up hope. Some bullies foul out. And your grandchildren, your grandchildren, may extend the clock well into overtime when anything can happen. This one's about a, an old friend of mine died a couple of years ago. It's called Late Call. We'd get together on my rare trips home, beer and tacos, hammocks in his backyard, telling tales of the 60s and 70s when Anywhere, away was our motto, and he really lived it. While I got my degrees, I was waiting for his letters from Merida or Kathmandu. I know I'll have to work till I die, he said, but I'm glad I lived my twenties free.
Though I remember him at 20, too, crying on the floor for his mother lost, father AWOL. Though he tracked from Damascus to Rajasthan, he never shook free the grudge he carried that later settled to his gut and baffled doctors. Life goes on, he'd say, and then it won't. One last phone call, when not enough is said besides goodbye. You came to help, I remind him, when my car dropped its axle after midnight and I woke you with my call. Not this time, friend, he faintly laughs. From now on, you are on your own. Spent some time in uh, Victoria recently. Beautiful place on the Strait of Juan de Fuca. That's the name of this poem, on the Strait of Juan de Fuca. Walking shorelines under marbled beach house patios, we wonder how far we would have to run from a tsunami, how many of these glass walls would stand the wave. From the top of our climb, we see mapped out the geographic pinch we're in, where a wave has nowhere to go but up these placid streets. We'd see who said their prayers, whose SUV could float. On our walk between rows of blooming trees, we imagine the end of it all, as if it's seasoning, the salty drop we need to call this love. And just about at the end, this one's called Crepuscule. Um, I talked to Armadrufo yesterday. He was saying, you know, Gotterdammerung, the Twilight of the Gods. In French, it's called Crepuscule des Dieux. And this, I guess, would be Crepuscule of the Boomers. Pacemaker, beta blocker, titanium knee. We're kept in comfort at great expense. Remember yesterday when we were free? Now, appointments fill our week. Always looking for glasses and pens. Pacemaker, beta blocker, titanium knee. You say, I can't hear. Well, you can't see. Dear, that's not even mentioned, depends. Remember yesterday when we were free? I look after you, you take care of me. We've been lovers, we're still friends. Pacemaker, beta blocker, titanium knee. Remember how we'd run uphill to see sunset? We didn't want the day to end. Pacemaker, beta blocker, titanium knee. Did we even know when we were free? And finally, Stardust. I met a woman who said she stole her father's ashes from her mother's home, spread them under her father's microscope and saw phosphorus constellations shining. Thanks a lot. Let's call in Morton. Let's give him another hand.
And you just heard Colin Martin in the third session of the final day of the three-day Poets at Art Fest 5 Poetry Festival that ran from June 29th to July 1st. Up next in it, and will be the final poet this afternoon, here is Tia Lunn. Up next, Tia Lunn is a poet from Thunder Bay, Ontario, recently published in the anthology Lake Effect 9, edited by poet Carolyn Smart. Tia's work generally focuses on mental illness, identity, and figuring out exactly what she's doing here. Let's bring up Tia Lunn. my poems on my phone because I don't have a printer right now. So. Um, yesterday was the last day of Pride Month, so I thought I'd start with something vaguely Pride-related. This is called What Do I Do Now? I say your name and my family's faces fall into some bitter remembrance, teeth clenched to cage sharp tongues, as if you hurt them more than you hurt me. And I guess you did hurt me, but I don't know how to say, not like that, not like he did. I don't know if they'd even listen, because I know how happy they were to call him my boyfriend for a month when for years you were just a friend. As if they don't know how long I stared at the streaks of moonlight in your hair, lying next to you, facing you, looking into each other's eyes. I don't know who fell asleep first, but I remember thinking how tender it would have been to touch your face in that moment, but I was so scared. How do I tell my family how I miss that fear? How do I feel scared of not feeling scared? What do I do with that? How do I explain to them how I've been trying to fall asleep staring at the wall, barely pink in the moonlight, like your lips, like all the poems I wrote about your lips? I already named all of the hundreds of love poems I'll never write. I can't write now. So what do I do? How do I tell them I knew exactly what I was doing? How even in the moment I started to hate you, I still loved you more than I hated myself when I was killing myself to be with him. And of all the pain I had when I was with you, I was never with you because I hated myself. And there were moments, precious, breathless, faded moments when I saw the way you loved me, when you held my hand, and I thought maybe I couldn't be that bad, maybe there was something in me worth holding. What do I do? I can't tell them how I asked you to marry me on our first date, or how you were the only person I wanted to talk to the night I never wanted to talk to anyone ever again. And I can't tell you either. There is no longer a language we both know that would let me say, I miss you, and I love you, and you are every part of me I'm scared to touch. Um, the, this next one is a uh, Sestina, which is why it might sound weird, and it's called Switchblade. Oh my god. <laughs> Look at me, smiling stupid, not thinking about why talking to my ex-girlfriend makes me feel like cozy, like really like warm. I've fallen out of love with her tons of times, so I wouldn't worry about it if it weren't for that grinding seizure in my chest whenever I think about being 16, chest hollowed out and heaving, thinking about how to set fire to myself without feeling it. 
listening to the Frank Turner album that makes me regret all the feelings and fun times I should be having while it's summer and it's warm, but I've never had fun and I've never felt warm. I'm refrigerated by this machine inside my chest. Just look at how I made of ice cream. Time's shown my frost so thick and resilient, I'm thinking of making my body a storefront. Sure hope it makes more money than my last business because it was an unlucrative sale of apathetic daisy chains. It was lying on my kitchen floor, my face dirty, warm, listening to the elevator music a crisis line makes when it starts to pick up on the rhythm in your chest, beat of your hand, shaking the potato peeler, thinking, I should do this more often, at least a few more times. Hey, Emily, do you remember all the times I cried in front of you? How many dates did it take before I showed you what I was thinking when I was scared I'd never make you feel warm like I should have made you feel like your chest was full of the opposite of ice cream? Something makes me wonder whether talking again ever makes you sad because I'm sadder now than all those times. You've just been swimming in the shallow of my chest for a while. It doesn't mean anything, don't worry about it. The pool is full of debris, salted, cloudy, never warm enough, dissolving thoughts I don't even remember thinking. Sometimes thinking about the spring of switchblades makes a wound so cold it's warm, cuts so deep that sometimes it sticks in me, freezes like ice cream in my chest. Um, this next one, uh, I was hanging out with my friends and I was like, what should I write a poem about? And Sophia said, my left foot. And so this is Sophia's left foot. <laughs> Quite clean and good. I'll allow it. I only allow the cleanest, kindest. I feel it in my left eye, like it kind of hurts, but it's necessary. It's necessary for me to say yes, to be open to it. It being that, that being the unsocked, the naked, and true. Thank you for this. I needed this. Even when I want to say no, I need this now. Somewhere, whenever. They ran me down and left me there, threw your name down over me like rain and made mud out of me left me turning my head over one shoulder, over the other, a whole revolution for you. The next time you see me, if you see me, I'll be here where they left me, revolving on the side of the road. They keep running me down. I guess I look like a plastic bag now, but I hear your name and I turn, your name and I'm an owl. You're, I'm a plastic bag, but your name, your name. Nothing you don't know. You didn't, but if you had seen me there, would you have held out your hand? You never called me dear, did you? All I remember is the way you looked then and what I thought of you when you might have been what I thought you were. Do you remember what you thought I was? I still want to know, so maybe someday you could tell me what I was then. I'm glad we don't talk about where we are. I know so little of what I am now, but there is so little of me now. As for what is left to say, let me say, the split in my palm is healed now. My hand doesn't look like you anymore. You never did saw through your love line like you told me you would someday. I'll never say you broke a promise though. You gave it, but you didn't make it. And of all the things you gave to me, that's the only thing I haven't kept. Not that it's important to say, but if you ever asked, I could tell you, you still know me better than anyone. Um, this is a poem I wrote at a poetry reading recently. <laughs> it's called
called Alone in a Cafe. I don't often find myself, but when I do, I find myself in a cafe, resting against the steadiness of the chatter, the reliable anonymous noise, and not often, but sometimes, I find someone who makes me terribly aware of how terribly ugly I am and how terribly pretty they are. A polite exchange, a flutter of lashes, and I find my fingers moving softly over the contours of whatever inanimate object I find in front of me. The wooden table with subtly shining knots, petrified arteries, or my own hands, my own empty lap and scarred knees. I find I feel like an inanimate object. I must be an inanimate object or a child. I think I must look like a child to her. I am not to be taken seriously. I know it wouldn't be fair to touch her because the heart I see on her tongue when she speaks is so whole, so full, so water-bearing and weatherproof, and I find myself sitting beside her with coffee falling straight through my ribs. My holy plastic bucket of a heart can't ever hold a single drop. Knockout. I am full of enduring longing for something that has never existed and won't ever exist. Longing so familiar that it's comfortable. It's an old blanket. I'm curled up inside, and I know that soon I will be asleep. I don't think I'll live through this, but apparently I can sleep through it. Um, this is a prose poem I wrote when I was in Paris last summer for a little over 24 hours, and it's called La Sienne. Paris is full of lovers. Everyone who is in love ends up in Paris. Rimbaud was in love, and was in Paris, and wrote A Season in Hell. So I may conclude that everyone who is in love ends up in hell. It is Lucifer they are kissing on the edge of the Sienne. They wrap their arms around him and he kisses back hard. It's not Maleficent, it's just love. I am not in love and so have no place in hell. But I belong here, shaking my bones over the edge of this river, and so I must fall in love promptly or risk being evicted from hell. These words are all I have done here. I cannot regret a thing. The honeyed air stays in its sectors as I and mine each in turn. My main sector is Notre Dame adjacent. It's where the writing seems to be. It is hell here too for all its holy marble, holy rats. The fires of hell are cigarettes they smoke in between Satan kisses. Satan mouths make love in hell. It has not escaped my notice that there are many ladders and even staircases leading right to the water, unblocked, as if when I'm not there, all the lovers step right in with their clothes on. What swampy fires. I've been answering too many questions with men, and so have purchased a collection of Sylvia Plath's artwork. She, she drew portraits of her husband as they shared a honeymoon, some of it in hell. But Sylvia Plath was not a man and neither am I, and Sylvia Plath was, for at least an instance, in love. I have resolved to study her until I have earned my place in hell. Um, thank you. Um, this, is one, this is one I wrote a while ago about Walt Whitman. Uh, it's a bit silly. <laughs> Where are you tonight, Walt Whitman? I cannot find you, nor the shadow of your wide-brimmed hat, nor a hair of your silver beard. I cannot find your America, nor its sweet valleys, nor its infinite leaves of grass. 
I cannot find your open road nor its dust and dirt, nor your jaunty step along its path. I cannot find your loving eye, nor your perfect women, nor your perfect men. I look upon myself with poor recognition. I do not find in my reflection that which you love, those gates of the soul. The arms of my soul do not engirth this body, this power outage body. I doubt whether it was made from the same earth from which all your perfection is born. Where are you? Oh, if I could find you tonight, Walt Whitman, I would press your tender soul to my own, palm to palm, and we could sing myself back into my body. Um, this is my last poem. Thank you. Uh, my last poem is one I wrote for my childhood friend, Sarah, who's been going through a bit of a tough time lately, and it's called Sarah Aura. It's summertime again, and the splay of your heart is shifted. Its presence sits different, its weight rising like breath from winter, timid, tepid. Maybe you move more slowly than you used to, more slowly than you're used to. Maybe your water warming, circulating idly while all your colors turn themselves over like opening palms or blossoms floating to the surface, all copper, orange, honey, dandelion. Maybe whole fields of you are swaying with familiarity, though your eyes strain through the opacity to see yourself at a distance, your eyes sun-blinded, tired, but remembering the perennial shape of someone who didn't drown, who says, Despite all you're missing, despite all you will miss, there's always this and this and this. Thank you. Tialan, let's give her another hand. And you just heard a reading by Tialan in the third session of the final day of the three-day Poets and Art Fest 5 Poetry Festival. And uh, this was held on July 1st, uh, the final day. Uh, I should mention that the Poetry Festival, again, was part of the larger Art Fest Kingston Artist Festival that also ran from June 29th through July 1st. Uh, <clears throat> as well, there was another reader, uh, Mary Lee Bragg, in that third session, uh, but just not enough time to squeeze it in today, so hers will be the first up next week as we continue with this festival, and I suppose I should probably do this, and then I'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of dance music to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. Sit, sit back, relax, listen to some hip-hop with the premium plus. The fantastic. Dollar bill every Friday night, 9 p.m. Sit back, relax, listen to some hip hop on the premium plus show. Friday, whatever the ground is hot. Remember the party time starts at nine and doesn't end until ten. The Kingston Community House for Self Reliance, widely known as 99 York, has for 30 years been providing a central, low cost meeting space for groups 
that allow like-minded people to come together to learn from one another, to share resources and trade skills. The goal of this house is to act as an integral part of the neighborhood in which it is located. On a typical evening, an autism caregiver relief group will be at 99 York together with a 12-step organization and a transgendered support group, while a social justice and homeschooling group may be booked in the following day. The community house is also available for less official functions, such as barbecues, birthday and office parties, and other social gatherings. We are proud to also serve the Queen's community. For more information, visit 99 York Street in Kingston. Go to www.99york.org email info at 99york.org or call 613-542-1136. Do you like to dance? Tune into The Hustle with DJ Bolt every Friday night between 11 p.m. and midnight. Where you'll hear all the newest dance, electronic, French touch, booty bass, ghetto, deep, and tech house remixes and more. Let the hustle take you to midnight and beyond at 11 p.m. on 4 to the Floor Fridays. Only on CFRC 101.9 FM. I mean, if there's a listener-supported radio station, you're, it means that people can get daily, every day, a different way of looking at the world. Not just what the corporate media want you to see. But a different picture, a different understanding, but a different picture, a different understanding. Not only can you hear it, but you can participate in it. You can add your own thoughts, you know, and you can learn something and so on. Well, that's the way, uh, well, that's the way, uh, well, that's the way uh, people become uh, human, you know. That's the way you become human participants in a, in a social and political system. And uh, you are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. Uh, I just counted up uh, the uh, number of readings, uh, number of poet readings we have left in that uh, three-day poetry festival. And I believe I have eight of them uh, left. Uh, So, again, uh, that will be Mary Lee Bragg, who um, was in... uh, that uh, final session, or that third session of the final day on uh, July 1st. And then I can kind of give you a heads up what you're going to hear next week. Uh, you will hear also uh, uh, from the fourth session that day, Grace Dixon, Pat Connors, Abena Beloved Green, and Chantelle Lavoie. And I believe Paul Kelly as well. Uh, so we'll get six of them next week, and then the final first hour of uh, the following week, I should say, uh, the, the two poets left are will be Kate Rogers and Brandon Pitts. So that's what you kind of are looking at for the next couple of weeks here. Uh, I should say that I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Uh, you have been listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are, again, located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce Every here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6. Uh, we do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. 
I should remind you, too, that each hour of this show each week will be uploaded to my blog space for it shortly after the show ends at Finding a Voice on cfrcfm.wordpress.com. We'll remain there for four years. I do hope, too, at the very top of the hour, you can stay tuned for two hours of East Coast music, a show called uh, Saltwater Music, hosted by Rob Carnell. Again, that will begin right at the top of the hour. And uh, hope you have a great long weekend. I mentioned in the first hour that, unfortunately, I brought the wrong papers with me, thinking I was bringing... Uh, some events I could share. I did mention, and we'll just briefly say, and there are Facebook pages for each of these, uh, that tomorrow, the Hot Chocolate Charity Series. It's a monthly, uh, last Saturday of the month event. Uh, it's vetted music, and it lasts for a couple of hours. begins at 2 o'clock. We'll be at 99 York Street. Coming up on Tuesday uh, here in Kingston, the and the journey continues open mic reading series uh doors open at 6 30 at the elm again i should say reopen because they do close at five and then reopen for this event and uh the readings uh, the event itself should start shortly after seven o'clock once everybody gets in and seated and uh in tweed uh their first Tuesday night of the month event called uh, First Tuesday Muse will be held at the Tweedsmere Tavern. And um, so I'm going to end the show with a bit of music I happen to find here at the station, one of my favorite albums. So here is Yola Tango from a very old, I think it's like 93 or something like that. I'm not even sure when it was. It might have been... More recent than that, but not by a lot, I don't think. Anyway, uh, here is a song called uh, You Can Have It All Off Of There and Then Nothing Turned Itself Inside Out. Hope you all have a wonderful long weekend again. And again, hope you can stay tuned for two hours of East Coast music that should begin really immediately or thereabouts after this show ends or after this song ends and i will catch you here next week